Alright, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And once you find your place there in the Word of God, we'll read this passage of Scripture to have prayer, then bring the message God's placed upon our hearts. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecution and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing that God to with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction and from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, we want to thank you for the privilege once again to gather ourselves together around the Word of God. I pray, Father, that you'll give us liberty and vocabulary. God, I ask that you would be glorified and, and pleased with our worship now. I pray the Word of God would have free course in our hearts. Help us, Lord, I pray, to receive the Word with meekness. And Lord, I pray that we will uh, do whatever you speak to our heart about. May we be willing and surrendered and obedient to the will of God now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you a few minutes tonight on this subject, on encouraging the church through the hard times of life. Encouraging the church through the hard times of life. Now when you think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and where the Apostle Paul is when he is writing this epistle, it helps you to better understand the title for which we're preaching on tonight. Paul is uh, at Corinth and Timothy has just come. Uh, he is uh, receiving word from the, uh, these young converts and this young church at Thessalonica. Uh, Timothy has been sent by Paul to help strengthen these uh, converts. Uh, if you go back to the book of Acts, chapter number 17, Paul is preaching there. Paul and Silas and Timothy and uh, the, these people of Thessalonica receive the gospel. They're saved, but Paul is driven out by some Jews uh, that do not believe the gospel. So he goes 40 miles to Berea and there preaches the gospel and God is blessing there. But he cannot get these converts off his heart. And so he sends uh, Silas and Timothy back. They help strengthen uh, the church at Thessalonica as Paul says, sees it better to move on to Athens and then once again meeting with uh, Paul uh, with Silas and Timothy he sends Timothy back and so Timothy is there a second time to help strengthen uh, the Thessalonican people, those that have been saved and then Timothy comes to Corinth and Paul receives this uh, uh, news of how the church is doing. It's from there that Paul writes First and Second Thessalonians uh, in an attempt to just 
strengthen the church. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, he uh, highlights the day of Christ and he talks about the rapture of the church. And, but when we come to 2 Thessalonians, again, uh, these two epistles were written just a, a few months apart from each other. And Paul is wanting to uh, help encourage the church. They're going through persecution. They're going through hard times, difficult times. And so Paul wants to be an encouragement uh, to the church during uh, these difficult days and these hard times of life. And you know, I was thinking about where we're at today as a church family. Uh, That ought to be our goal is to encourage one another uh, through these hard times of life. You know, it's not just uh, the pastor's responsibility or the deacon's responsibility. and, uh, And they can only do so much. But as individuals, as members one of another, we can be an encouragement to each other through uh, the hard times of life. And so Paul uh, gives basically three words in these first 12 verses of this epistle here, three words of encouragement that Paul will give these believers as they're going through these difficult days. I want you to see these uh, three words of encouragement, and I think they'll be a help and a blessing to us as well. First of all, I want you to see that Paul encourages the church through the hard times of life by the encouragement of praise. The encouragement of praise. That's the first word that we find uh, in these first four verses. Though word may not be mentioned, Paul is praising the church of Thessalonica. He is wanting to be a help and a blessing to them uh, just by giving them an, a word of praise. Notice in verse number 1 here that in Paul uh, giving this word of praise that he does this by revealing that through his greeting. As he says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of Thessal- Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is revealed in his greeting as Paul uh, mentions uh, three men. He mentions himself. He mentions mentions Silas, which is Sylvanus, and he mentions Timothy. Uh, and one, one great outstanding workers. When you think about Paul and Silas and Timothy and receiving a word from all three of these men, I don't know anything that would be more encouraging to this church in these rough times than to hear from these three great men of God. They had invested in, in the church. They had prayed for the church. And now they are encouraging by praising the church. And we see that. And I thank God for men that have been faithful uh, men of God, they can give words of encouragement. That's one of the responsibilities of a, of a pastor and of preachers is that we're to reprove, we're to rebuke, but we're also to exhort. We are to encourage the saints. And I, I want to say while others may be listening, uh, no doubt Bible Baptist is on my heart and uh, I want to encourage the church as you're listening and want to say to you that, that uh, we will make it through these difficult times. God will prove to be faithful. We will come back together again and we will worship. I think we'll worship in a different spirit with a different outlook on life and we've never seen days like this and we've never seen hard times like this but yet we know that God is using this to encourage us and strengthen us to stay close together. And so we see that Paul's encouragement of praise is revealed in his greeting. It's also in verse number 2 revealed uh, by, by his grace. Notice he said in verse number 2, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul mentions grace. 
Paul was a uh, Paul was a grace preacher. He preached the gospel of the grace of God, and he talked about the mystery of the church, and and that's what Paul did on his uh, his conversion on the road to Damascus. Uh, Paul was saved, and Paul was called to be an apostle, and Paul lit the lamp of the grace of God uh, in the household of everyone that believed uh, in his day. And so Paul, being that grace preacher, he wants to encourage them by praising them, but he wants to mention the grace of God. He also mentions the word peace in verse number 2. He said, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we see that oftentimes in Paul's epistles, but there's something there that I do want to mention, and it's this, uh, that Paul was a grace preacher, and he preached grace to the Gentiles, but we know that peace was a word that the Jews used often. The word shalom means peace, and so uh, that was a word of the Jews, that word peace, and the word grace was a word of the Gentiles. And so what Paul does is he takes the word grace, and he takes the word peace, and he uses them in the same context, because Paul was a unifier. He wanted to bring the Jews together, and he wanted to bring the Gentiles together, uh, because we know that after Calvary, thank God that middle wall of partition was was broken down and the veil was rent and whether it be Jew or Gentile the same Lord the Bible said in Romans chapter 10 is rich over all that call upon Him. So Paul is uh, encouraging the church and by, by using praise through his greeting, through, uh, uh, through the right kind of grace and then through the right kind of gratitude. Notice what he said in verse number 3. He said we are bound to thank God always for you brethren as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So when you think about this, Paul reveals this through the right greeting, through the right grace, and now through the right gratitude. He said in verse number 3, we are bound to thank God always for you. You know, when you think about that word bound, it literally means to be under obligation. And Paul said that we're under an obligation to thank God always for you. You know, that's got to be an encouragement uh, for this church to hear that Paul the Apostle, Silas, Timothy, that they were bound, they were under an obligation that when they went to God in prayer for this church to be thankful for these converts. You know, I, I think appreciation goes a long ways. Encouragement goes a long ways. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying that, that we feel an obligation to be thankful for this church. And I, I think every member ought to feel that same obligation. We, we ought to be obligated. We ought to be bound uh, to be thankful for, for our church, to, to have a place to worship, to have a place to come together, to have a place to come and just exalt, uh, exalt the church and be thankful uh, for the church. And so uh, Paul's praise is revealed through the right greeting, through the right grace, through the right gratitude, and then it's revealed through the right glory. Notice what he said in verse number 4. He said, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience. You know, I got to thinking about this. There's nothing wrong with praising uh, the church. There's nothing wrong with finding glory in the church. Now, praise in a church can do one of the two things. It can please God or it can make God sick. I'm sure that you've been in church services and, and you've seen times when, when uh, maybe people were praising uh, the church or praising the pastor or praising someone in a way that, that did not glorify God. You say, preacher, what's the difference in praising the church and it making pleasing God and, and praising the church and it making God sick? It's very simple. It comes down to one thing. When you praise the church, who's getting the glory? If praising the church glorifies God, then it pleases Him. If praising the 
the church glorifies man, then it makes God sick. And Paul is praising this church here. He's giving this church glory uh, because the, he's giving honor where honor is due. He, he's praising them for the right things. You say, how do you know that? Well, notice what Paul is praising the church for. In verse number 3, he praises them for a growing faith. He said that your faith groweth exceedingly. You know, that's something to praise the church for, is that when you see people's faith excelling, when you see people growing in faith, there's nothing wrong with getting up and, and thanking God that people are growing uh, spiritually in their faith in the Lord. Paul praises them for that. He praises them for their abounding love. Notice what he said in verse number 3. He said that the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting up and thanking God that you have a church where people love one another where people, uh, where love is abounding. You know, there's nothing wrong with thanking and praising the church that people are getting along. I, I told somebody this past week that I thank God for Bible Baptist Church. I thank God for the membership, that we have unity. I'm sure that if we was to, to, to go do an investigation, which I would not want to do, uh, that you can always find some type of disgruntlement. But to be honest with you, uh, the people of our church seem very unified. They seem to uh, seem to be on the same page. I, I I don't really hear any real complaints. And all I have heard through the hard times that we've been going through is how much people love their church, how much they miss their church. And I even told somebody the other day, I said, our folks have been uh, praying for me and been very supportive uh, of their pastor. And I can really tell that the decision-making has been very easy. And I think that's because God's people are praying. And I think there's nothing wrong with praising the church for growing faith, for abounding love. And then he talks about increasing patience. He said, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith. You know, these are days that require patience. It would be very easy to say, well, let's just come back together and have church Sunday. But we have to be patient. We, we're not working on our timetable. We're working on God's timetable. I promise you, coming, uh, walking through the church and, and seeing the church empty and, and seeing it being a long time since we've been here and had fellowships, a time that we have never seen before. Uh, you know, there's a side of me that just says, well, let's just go right back Sunday and let's get everybody together. But it requires patience. You know, there's a timetable that we're to wait. When I think about uh, what God's requiring of us, uh, it's nothing compared to what others have had to go through when you think about that. And so Paul is praising the church for their patience. I want to praise Bible Baptist Church for your patience. I want to praise Bible Baptist Church for for your faith that you've not not let these days cause you to backslide. From what I've heard, people have, have listened in. They've watched the video or they've listened on podcasts and not just here, but they've listened to other podcasts and other uh, preaching uh, uh, things that they've seen on the, the websites and around. You know, I think that's a good thing that perhaps maybe our people are listening to more preaching now than they would have uh, just on a regular week-to-week basis. And so I praise the church that, that your faith is growing. You want to make your pastor uh, uh, happy. And I know that it's not all about pleasing the pastor. But if you really want to make me happy, it's all about you not backsliding during these days. You staying in the Bible. 
you staying connected with your family around the coffee table and having prayer together and, and staying connected as a church and that when we come back together, I'll tell you, wouldn't it be amazing if we came back and the church was in a spirit of revival as a result of this? Not weak, not anemic, not going through some hard times and trying to pull everybody back where we were, but what if we come back stronger? And that's my heart. That's my prayer. And I see that Paul is praising the church uh, because of abounding love, growing faith, increasing patience, and then a multiplied testimony. The Bible says, so that we ourselves glory in you. Notice this, in the churches of God. Notice Paul talks about plural there. He talks about their testimony amongst other churches. You see, the church of Thessalonica didn't just have a good testimony with Paul and Silas and Timothy, but they had a good testimony with other churches. Other churches was aware of their faith, of their love, and of their patience. And you know, that's the kind of testimony we want as a church. You know, I don't want to be the, uh, the church in the community that is seen as a rebel. I don't want to be the church in a, a community that, that, and I believe in taking a stand, but you, you have to take the right kind of stands. You have to take stands when you know that it's the, it's the right stand, it's the right time. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be that church in the, in the community that our testimony is marred because we think we're taking a right stand, but it really it looks in the light of rebellion when it comes to standing on the principles, the doctrine, and the beliefs of the Word of God, then, then that's what we're supposed to do. And we'll do that regardless of what people would say or what they would think about it. But I want to praise the church for their patience. I want to praise the church for their abounding love, for their testimony. I think our church has a good testimony, and that's because of the membership uh, that, that sits in the pews week in and week out. And then he praises the church for, uh, because, that, uh, of their, uh, because of their fascinating endurance. Look what he said here in verse number 4. He said, so that, uh, he said because so that that we ourselves glory in you, that the churches of God for your patience and faith, now notice this, in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Here's a church that's going through great persecution. They're going through great tribulations. They were in, in the first epistle that Paul wrote to them. And now those tribulations and those persecutions, they've not changed. You know, in America, when we go through hard times, we want hard times to come quick and we want them to be over with quick. We want them to be easy and we want them to go away. You know, I'm praying that, that this ends uh, in a very short time frame, that we're able to come back to church within a matter of a week or two. But, you know, in reality, we don't know that. We don't know when this is going to end. We don't know when we're going to be able to assemble together. But you know what we ought to do? We ought to just continue on and endure. Be faithful. Be steady. The people that have always marked and influenced my life has always been people that were steady Christians. They were able to endure the hard times of life. And I, I praise our church for, for your faithfulness to give in tithes and offerings. I praise you for your faithfulness to give, uh, you know, in missions, in our mission offering. I praise you for your faithfulness to just uh, to just stay true to God and stay stay faithful to His Word and and stay in that place of prayer. I want to encourage you through these hard times, like Paul did. This church, he encourages them by praising. I've been in services where people would think it'd be wrong to to praise the church. But again, I want to say this: if you're praising the church for man's sake. You know, nothing wrong with getting up and saying, and I know I'm the pastor, but there's nothing wrong. When I wasn't the pastor, I believe this. There's nothing wrong with getting up and saying, well, I thank God for the pastor. I thank God for the deacons. I thank God for the Sunday school teachers. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, with getting up and being thankful for your church or for someone in the church. As long as the motive is this, 
I want to thank God for that person. I want to give God the glory for bringing them into my life. It's not that we're praising men. And Paul is certainly not just praising the people of the church, but he is praising what God is doing through that church. And so we encourage the church through hard times by giving them an encouragement of praise. And then notice in verse number 5, Paul not only gives them encouragement of praise, but he gives them an encouragement of promise. In verse number 5 down uh, to verse number 10, uh, Paul gives them a promise. And this promise concerns one theme. It's the day of our Lord. And you know, the, there's the day of Christ and there's the day of the Lord. The day of Christ is the rapture of the church. The day of the Lord is that revelation when He comes and, and when He conquers this world. And, and we know that, that that day will be set, that there will be some things that has to take place. The day of Christ could happen at any moment and uh, there's nothing preventing that. But we know that Paul is about to lay out some things that, that will mark this promise that's going to come. And basically he says, church, I want to encourage you to endure, keep enduring these things hard times of life because there's a promise that's going to take place. And we see that promise. There is a promise of reward in verse number 5. And there's a promise of recompense in verse number 6, in verse number 7, in verse number 9. And then there's a promise of rest that Paul mentions in verse 7 and again in verse number 10. And all of this has to do with the promise of this judgment that's going to come upon this world. Paul basically says that this judgment will be fulfilled when Jesus comes and, uh, and it has reference as I said to the day of our Lord but notice it, it all deals with that matter of judgment. God is going to judge this world and part of the reason for judging this world is that God is going to keep His promise not only to, to a lost world that they will be judged but God's going to keep His promise to the nation of Israel and He's going to keep His promise to every saint and every blood-bought believer that God will in the end vindicate all of us and we see that in these verses. Notice in verse number 5 here that as Paul uh, mentions this promise of judgment, he talks about it being a righteous judgment. He said, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. So in this life as believers, we do suffer. We go through difficult times and hard times, but what helps us make it through that is that we as a church, we have a promise. Amen? We have a promise that God is going to judge this world and it's going to be a righteous judgment. God is going to judge every sinner. He's going to judge every saint. In fact, when you think about the judgments of the Bible, there's the judgment of sin at Calvary. There's the judgments of saints at the, at the, at the judgment seat of Christ. There's the judgment of states. God is going to judge the nations and He's going to judge ultimately every king and captain and every nation in, at Armageddon. And then there'll be those judgment of the nations in Matthew 25. And then God is going to judge sinners, Revelation chapter 20. And then in chapter 21 one, there'll be, the, uh, there'll be the judgment of Satan himself. Or chapter 20, as he is cast into uh, the bottomless pit, and then ultimately he'll be cast in the lake of fire. And so God is a God of judgment. And every bit of those judgments that we just mentioned, they're righteous judgment. Amen? And then we see this judgment is a reverence judgment, no, or a reverse judgment. Look what he said in verse number 6. He said, seeing it is a righteous thing that God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So in other words, what he says here is that this is going to be a reverse judgment. He tells these Christians, he said, those that's been judging you, troubling you, he said, God's going to judge them one day. And I would say to the church, we're to be faithful 
We're to keep on keeping on, even in hard times. And I know that we're not under persecution. I understand that. We're not under tribulation. Our hard times right now, uh, listen, there's nobody storming our homes and taking our Bibles and taking our guns and, and taking people captive. I understand that we're not really in persecution when I say that. We're just in hard times. But even in hard times, we have this promise that one day, God's going to reverse all the judgments of this world. Today, the people of God, the church, is thought little of. We're the minority uh, in society. But one day, God is going to bring every work into judgment. And it's going to be a reverse judgment. There's a payday someday, both for the sinner and both for the saint. And we find that it's not only a righteous judgment, a reverse judgment, but I want you to see that it's a revealed judgment. Look at what he said in verse number 7. He said, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Do you know the judgment of God is going to be revealed? Now remember, Paul is not talking about the rapture of the church. He's not talking about the day of Christ. He's talking about the day of the Lord. He's talking about the end of the tribulation period at the battle of Armageddon when Jesus comes. And thank God we're going to be coming with him in Revelation chapter 19 when John said, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness. He to judge and make war. And the Bible said his eyes were a flame of fire and upon his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And then the Bible says, And the armies which were in heaven uh, followed him upon white horses clothed in white linen fine and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. That's the day of our Lord. He said he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the day of our Lord. That's what Paul is talking about. And here he says, he said that the, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. John saw him in that day. And he's going to be revealed. And thank God we're going to be with him. Amen. It's a revealed judgment. It's a revenge judgment. Look at what he said in verse number 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that, uh, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you don't know God today and you've not obeyed the gospel, you've not, in other words, you've not received it. I think Romans chapter number 10, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The next verse says, But they've not all obeyed the gospel. If you've not obeyed the gospel and you don't know God, you need to get saved today. You need to get saved right now tonight. You need to, right there in your living room or wherever you're at, you need to get on your knees and you need to, you need to ask Jesus to save you. You say, why? Because Jesus is coming again, friend. And the first time He's coming, He's coming for His bride. And the second time He comes, He's coming in judgment and He's going to bring judgment on this world. And if you're lost, you're under the judgment of God. And you're going to face the judgment of God. So you need to accept Christ now. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. So we see it's a revenge judgment. And then we notice in verse number 9, it's a real judgment. He said, who shall, be, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? Friend, you ought to pay close attention to verse number 9 if you're not saved. Because the Bible says to them that know not God and do not obey the gospel, they're going to be punished with everlasting destruction. They're going to be punished from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Now I know in context it's talking about, uh, listen, this world that at that battle of Armageddon, the day of our Lord, and even during the tribulation period, uh, those days of our Lord, they're going to suffer and they're going to be punished. All the heathen, all the lost world is going to be punished uh, there and they're going to be 
punished from the presence of God. But ultimately, can I say this? That's what hell is. Hell's a place where you're separated from the presence of God and the glory of His power. And hell is a place where you're going to you're receive the punishment of God in the lake of fire. You'll receive that punishment throughout all eternity. I don't know why, but I can't get souls off my heart right now. If you're lost, you need to be saved. You ought to, you ought to take your mother, your father, or your husband, or your wife, or your brother, your sister by the hand right now, and you ought to get down on your knees there in your home and accept Christ as your Savior. But Paul is giving a word of encouragement to the church. And if you're saved, this is is a word of encouragement. If you're lost, it's not a word of encouragement. To us that are saved, we know that, hey, there's a better day coming, thank God. We know that when, when Jesus comes to, to, to render this judgment on this world, we're going to be standing with Him, we're going to be standing behind Him, and we're going to be cheering our King of Kings and Captain of Captains on as He brings judgment to this world. And so we see here that it is a real judgment. And then we see here that it's a rejoicing judgment. Look at verse number 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Can I tell you, whenever God begins to to bring his judgment upon this world in the day of our Lord, we that are saved, we that have lived for God, we that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have that promise that when that day comes, thank God it won't be hard times for us. I want to encourage the church. I want to encourage you by praising you. I thank God for Bible Baptist Church. I thank God for every member of Bible Baptist Church. I thank God for your prayers, your faithful support. I thank God that that we have unity in our church. But I also want to encourage you by this promise. That though we may experience some persecution, we may one day experience some tribulation. These hard times now, I don't want to be a gloom and doom preacher, but I don't know the future, neither do you. I mean, just a few weeks ago, everything was going great. But what these days has showed us is that, that life can take a turn in just a matter of moments. And if hard times continue, if hard times, even if they got worse, I want to encourage you about this, and I don't believe they, they are, but if they were to get worse, I want to encourage you, we still have a promise. We still have a Savior coming. We still have something to keep us going. We, still, we, don't, have to, we don't have to get up every day. And, and I told somebody this the other day. I said, you know what? I'm just at 100% peace. I've not got up every day, any day with my head down. Thank God for that. I've not had to get up any day, and I'm sure many of you have too. I, even though I'm missing the church, and I, I'm missing the church family, and I long to see everyone's face, and I know that you do, I'm glad I get up every day saying, Lord, thank you for another day to live. Lord, uh, thank you for these days of uncertainty. Thank you for some difficult times, some hard times, but, but yet, God, you're still good to us. You, you've still taken care of us. And so we see that here, that, that even during times of judgment. We got a promise. Amen. God may be judging this nation. I don't know. God may be judging the church. I don't know. Maybe God is judging the church. Maybe God is waking us up to the fact that we need to be more hungry. I don't know what God's doing. But I do know this. I have a promise. I do know this. We have a good church. A church that we can say good things about. You know, I, I get around people sometimes and they, they talk bad. I'm not talking necessarily about here, but, but we've all heard people run down their church, talk about their church, and we have so much that we can be thankful for, so much that we can be appreciative. And sure, we could probably find something wrong with our church like we could any church. 
But you know what? For every one thing we can find wrong, there's, there's, there's 50 things that we could thank God for. And I'm thankful for a good church. I'm thankful that we have a promise. I'm thankful that we have a church that we can be thankful for, that we don't have to hang our heads down when people say, where do you go to church? We can say, well, I go to a good church. I go to Bible Baptist Church. Good folks, precious people. And we see here uh, that Paul gives them a, a, a word of encouragement. He encourages them by praise. He encourages them uh, uh, by giving them this word of, of promise. And then Paul encourages them not only by praise and by promise, But I want you to notice here, he gives them an encouragement of prayer in verse 11 and 12. He said, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gives them a word of encouragement by prayer. He encourages them uh, uh, by praise, encourages them by promise, but now he encourages them through prayer. And in this prayer, I want you to notice that Paul's prayer for the church was steady. Look what he said in verse 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you. You know, that's interesting. Because in verse 3, Paul says, we are bound to thank God always for you. And then in verse 11, he said that wherefore also we pray always for you. You want to be an encouragement to your church in hard times? Always be thankful for your church. And then secondly, always pray for your church. Do you pray for the membership? Do you take that church directory and start at the beginning and go through it and see the faces and the names and pray for those people? Do you do that? You say, oh, preacher, I've not been real faithful to it. Then start today. Because I'm going to tell you something. The people you pray for, you'll be thankful for. You know, I think about people that... that that even down through the years I pastor that have left and they no longer come to the church. And some, uh, most, I would have to say, when they leave a church, they don't, they don't, you know, there's always something there. There's always a reason. There's always something. And some even leave and over the years, you may hear them say things. You may, you know, word, word travels, you know that. But you know what I think about when you pray for those people? You can never have an ill feeling toward them. I, there may be things they say and do that don't make you happy, but when you pray for them, how can you not but love them? And you know, I think that's not just true about people that leave, but it's certainly true about the people that you go to church with. I can truly say this, and I think you can too. There's a greater love and appreciation for people, even uh, when you pray for them and you thank God for them. It doesn't mean that you thank, you're thankful for people just when they're doing right. You know, I'm, I'm glad it's not that way. When you pray for people, you'll, you'll be thankful for them regardless of how they're doing or not doing. You're probably more thankful when they are living right and doing right. I'm sure that's the case. But, you know, I'm thankful for people when I pray for them just because that, that, that God puts a love there. And Paul was that way for this church. Paul is thankful for this church because Paul was praying for this church. And his prayer for this church was steady. His prayer for this church was specific. Look at verse 11 again. He said, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of His calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. So Paul, when he prays, he prays specifically three things here. He prayed that God would count them worthy of His calling, fulfill all of His good pleasure, of His goodness, and that the work of faith uh, with power would be worked in them. So Paul prayed specifically for these people. And I think that's the way we should pray one for another. We ought to pray specifically for the needs of each other. You know, when you see your brother have a need, pray for them. 
If you see things lacking in their life, pray for them. Paul's prayer for the church was steady. Paul's, Paul's prayer for the church was specific. And then Paul's prayer for the church was sincere. Look at verse 12. He said that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul could tell this church, I'm praying for you. And Paul could say that without there being any boasting in his heart. You know why? Because his motive was right. He was sincere. You know, sometimes people say they're praying for you and you have to wonder, do they really pray for you? When you look at some people's life, I even wonder, and I'm not being critical when I make this statement, but some people can say that they're praying for you, but you can look at their life and wonder, do they even have a prayer life? The way they're living, the way they're conducting themselves uh, would make you wonder, do they pray any at all? When I look at this text here, I see that Paul was a great man of prayer. There's no question that Paul spent time in prayer and that he spent time alone with God. And so Paul, in our text, we find here that that's what he's doing. Paul is praying for the church of of Thessalonica, and this prayer was a sincere prayer. There's one thing you can mark down. If Paul said he was praying for you, you knew he was praying for you. You know, we all know people like that. And when they tell us they're praying for us, we know they're sincere. We know they mean it. So many names, so many faces within our church comes to mind right now. And I'm sure you're thinking of people that you know they're praying people. And I'm glad that Bible Baptist Church is a praying church. And in these days, in these hard times of life, you know what you and I can do that can make a difference? We can be an encouragement. You say, preacher, how do you be an encouragement? By being thankful, by being prayerful, by clinging to that promise, and by saying good things about your church, by encouraging one another as we go through these times. Father, I want to thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the privilege to pray. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to take time. I know that there's other people that, that listens uh, and that are listening from other places, and we're thankful for them. But Lord, as I, as I close this message out, I think about our church. I think about Bible Baptists. Lord, I think about the names, the faces of our membership. And Lord, I'm thankful for this church. I, I want to... I want to just take the time and thank you publicly for every member of Bible Baptist Church. Lord, for their support, uh, for their prayers. God, we couldn't make it through these days if it wasn't for that. And Lord, I thank you for the unity. When I think about our church, I do see faith uh, growing exceedingly. I do see love abounding amongst our people. Lord, when I think about our church, I do see the patience of our folks. If they have just been so good through everything, just waiting and just praying. Lord, I do see these things that, you, that Paul mentioned about the church of Thessalonica. I see it mirrored in our own church. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless our people. Uh, Lord, I ask you today... Lord, to bless the homes, the family. I pray that you'll keep them safe. I ask you, Lord, to, uh, to touch them, their, their spouses, their children. God, I pray that you'll uh, help them financially during these days. Lord, I pray that none of them will suffer financially or physically or spiritually. And I pray that thy will would be done. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.